0: Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. I help people get it done in the sense of achieving their dreams of home ownership. Getting it done can mean so many things. It can come in all shapes and sizes. This podcast is about that central theme, getting it done, whatever that may be. In the future, we're going to have guests, talk about their own personal experiences in getting it done, how they overcame adversity to achieve their dreams. Once again, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and I will be your host, and this is our story. Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today, we have Ralph Nudy. He is a three-time icon agent at EXP. I know him as a, a husband and the father to, of six kids, and right now, he is in uh, his second home in Fort Myers Beach, uh, where I also have a second home. So we're kind of checking in on the beach. Uh, Ralph, how are you doing? How, how's the weather down there right now?
1: It is about 92 degrees. It's getting to that time of year where the snowbirds are starting to leave. And, uh, you know, I've become a year rounder here as of this year. And uh, I kind of like this when it gets a little quieter, although this year it doesn't look like it's going to get much quieter. Uh, they're saying that the uh, tourist season is going to extend into the summer. Everybody's trying to get away from from all the lockdowns.
0: I know, I believe it. In Florida, it's definitely the opposite of lockdown. Um, but uh, but look, we didn't talk, come here to talk about, you know, uh, Florida or Fort Myers Beach, even though it's paradise and everybody should uh, buy a house there. Uh, we came here to tell, about, tell your story. And uh, is there anything that I, just quick before we get into that, is there anything that maybe I missed out of uh, my brief edification of you? I mean, six kids, my God. And then uh three-year icon agent, that's a huge thing. Anything I missed? Um,
1: well, There's there's probably a ton that we missed, but that's why we're here to dive into it and, and, and share with people, I suppose.
0: Well, I got to ask first is as six kids. Brother, how do you do it? I mean, that's pretty nuts. Well,
1: so three, are, three are basically adults now. So that does make it a little easier. My oldest is 22 years old. My son, Brent is serving in the uh, Navy and he's stationed in uh, Fallon Naval Air Station, Nevada. So shout out to my boy there. Uh, and then, so I have I have a 20 year old, a 19 year old back in Wisconsin, they're college students. And then here uh, in, in Florida, my wife and I have uh, my soon to be 13 year old son. And then we have two daughters, nine and four as well.
0: Wow. Wow. I hear I have a three and a half year old and a four month or six month old. And um, that's enough for me, brother. I'm just, I'm 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 saying so uh, that's uh, so congratulations to all that. And hey, yeah, congratulations on college, all all that. That's great. Uh, What I want to get into though, is really that what the Get It Done podcast is all about. And that's your come up story. And we use Elon Musk as an example. You know, he uh, has a story from, you know, a million to a billion and, uh, and then the richest man in the world. And that's a great story, but I'm looking for the zero to a million story to come up. And the best place to start with that, Ralph, is where were you born? Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha. So what was uh, what was life growing up like in Kenosha? Uh, what were your parents like? Uh, what did they do for a living? What, what was uh, life like growing up?
1: so i grew up um i I was born in the 70s and i actually remember the 70s i was born early enough in the 70s i'm probably one of the few kids of my generation in my family to remember it but uh it was a very interesting time because kenosha was uh, an auto manufacturing town at the time they they built American Motors products. AMC was there. And I actually grew up in a family that was in the car business. My grandfather owned the American Motors dealership in Kenosha, where you had at the time, well over 5,000 employees for the factory alone, plus all the ancillary employees in the area. Most of them drove the local product. So I was always around family that was always selling. And uh, I, I spent a good Good chunk of my early years inside a car dealership whether it be hanging around with salesmen learning dirty jokes at way too young of an age or or sweeping floors in in, in the back around the mechanics but uh it was definitely an interesting upbringing being around that environment
0: yeah, car sales is definitely, as someone who uh, got a start in in, in the car business, uh, in the sales side of things in the car Didn't business. Didn't
1: everybody in the mortgage industry get their start in the car business? It sure seems like it.
0: I don't know. Not everybody. And truthfully, like, here, it definitely teaches you how to sell, but it definitely teaches all the bad habits. Like, for instance, I learned how to sell by smoking cigarettes with my manager. And, like, that's just how, like, while well, you're saying, like, all the dirty jokes sweep at the floor. Like, like that's just oh, what yeah. it is. And everybody's oh, just, yeah. like, you know, hard-ass about pretty much everything. But uh, so that's your, that's your upbringing. What um, did you ever actually sell? Did you ever actually work at the dealership?
1: Yeah, I did. You know, I worked there from 12, 13 years old sweeping floors and actually getting paid to being, uh, a lot boy at, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old at my dad's import store. Uh, you ever see the scene in Goodfellas when Henry Hill can barely see over the car and he's parking cars for gangsters? Yeah. Well, I was, I was doing that but for car salesmen, so it wasn't quite so dangerous and I didn't blow anything up. Uh, but, you know, certainly had a good time. But, but my, my, my passion in life at the time was entertainment. I wanted to be a musician, uh, an actor. Uh, I, at one point in time, auditioned for the Defense Information School uh, to get into the Air Force as a radio broadcaster, and uh, I had a lot of support from my grandfather in, in those endeavors at a young age. Uh, but all of a sudden, life happened, and I found myself back in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as an Air Force veteran, working for the family business, and suddenly I was faced with the fact that I was going to become a father. Wow. Well- and that changed my life i got into the mortgage industry i got out of the car business got in the mortgage in the real estate industry and and the rest from there i i wrote my own story instead of having it written for me by my family well
0: let's uh let's let, let's start there so um growing up uh what well let's let's go back really really quick uh anything exciting happened to you like high school age um i mean here you're working at 12 13 that's yep. pretty early to be working and in a car in a car business it's I mean, it's fast-paced. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's new cars coming in, and that's it, it, there's excitement. Uh, what was you know your high school years like? So my high school
1: years, I I remember that my my. My job working for the family was basically cleaning cars, detailing cars. I got paid a really good salary. I got paid two dollars and fifty cents an hour when minimum wage was three thirty-five because I was family and I'd work for less. Uh, but the but the truth of the matter is, I also got a car to drive. But the car that they gave me to drive wasn't necessarily the car that I wanted to drive. But being the um the ingenious lot boy that i was i would accidentally come home with the keys in my pocket for whatever car i wanted to drive to impress the girls and uh, i'll never forget one time i got pulled over uh in a corvette in uh, pleasant prairie wisconsin and uh the the cop gets out of the car walks up and he, he recognizes me instantly because my family did business with uh the police department even and uh he says hey ralph does your dad know you're driving this car (laughs) <laughs> so as you can imagine, uh, by the time I, because this is before cell phones and text messages and all of that, he probably had to go back to the police station to call my dad to tell me, pull me over in a Corvette. Uh, but, uh, by the time I got home, I was grounded. So I was, uh, I was not the wildest wild child, but I definitely wasn't the kid that always colored in the lines either. I, you know, I, I definitely strayed. Uh, but I, you know, mostly I was involved at that time and, you know, I was, in, I was in plays, I was singing, wanted to be a musician. Uh, but, but Kenosha, Kenosha was a good place to grow up.
0: What kind of, what kind of, you're, you're mentioning that, that your passion was, uh, for being a musician. I've never known that I've known you for a long time. Uh, what, what, uh, like, like, you were in plays and stuff like, like were you a singer, was it more yeah, acting,
1: I, uh, music, musical theater, singing, um, any anything Sinatra one of the, one of these days I'll have to belt out a few lines for you, but, uh, that was, you know, that was it. That's what I thought my, my gig in life was going to be. And I had no intention of ever entering the business world when I was, when
0: I was a youth. Wow. That's, I mean, I don't know if that surprises me or not but I mean it's just it's it's really interesting just because like I don't see you as a singer also. Um yeah, I mean that's no that's really cool. So high school you're focused on that like hey I, I don't want to do nothing else but this. Correct. Uh, what was so right after high school did you go to college? Did you end up like taking that 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 level or or how did you like chase after your your passion of, of, of music?
1: So I had a I had a partial scholarship to uh UW Milwaukee for uh, vocal performance. And it wasn't a full ride. And I, I don't know how I even got that partial scholarship because I wasn't the best student. I just didn't like school, never liked school. And my, my dad said to me, I'm not paying the rest of the way. So I hope you can figure it out. Cause basically you're not a serious enough student for me to write the check for you to go to college, which is so um, it's so contrary to mo- what most parents do now, they just write the check and they don't even care whether the kids achieve or not. I actually appreciate the fact that my dad did that now. If he were here, I would tell him that. Uh so I uh I, I floundered for about a year. I kind of worked for the family business, I sold cars, I tick around with a bunch of different things, and then I I decided to go talk to an Air Force recruiter, and he told me about a group in the Air Force that tours and sings called Tops and Blues, basically a USO show. And in order to get into tops and blue, you had already be an active duty member of the air force. You had to pick a job. So he, he, you know, he asked me what job I would pick in the, in the meantime. And so I was trying to think of something that I thought wouldn't be real hard and wouldn't require a lot of, a lot of, I, I don't know how to put it, a lot of studying. So I said, well, how about if I can be a cop? Cause I was also a wrestler in high school. And uh, so I thought, you know, I, I was a small guy with a big chip on his shoulder, you know, Give me a badge and a gun. Right. (laughs) And uh, lo and behold, they uh, they they gave me a badge and a gun. And so I spent uh, a total of uh, almost eight years uh, as a cop in the Air Force for active duty. Uh, four in the Air Force National Guard and you know I made I made friendships there that I never dreamed I'd make uh, my best friend to this day was my roommate when I was stationed in Korea and I never did make it into Tops and blue because boy those recruiters you know just like now they can they, they sure can give you the dog and pony show uh, every time it was time for me to compete for tops and blue I had orders and had something else that my commander needed me to be doing so I competed one year I made it all the way to the worldwide Talent competition for the air force which was like it was like the air force version of american idol before american idol was a thing if that makes any sense at all
0: and wow. uh that was that i'm uh i'm looking at your video oh my god it's all over the place i know i'm looking i'm looking at my video too that's
1: uh that's a you pretty should, cool special effect that you, i got going you, on there
0: you should turn it off and just turn it yeah and then turn it back on i bet you it that works was out the... <laughs> well look and we're and, gonna and, see And while you, while you turn that back on. So, okay. Tops and blues. That's super cool. And you made it all the way to the end of it. And. I I I didn't get to make the tour. I was, uh, you know, I I felt like
1: I was pretty damn close, but I I didn't make the tour. And uh, I was pretty disappointed about that, but you know, a lot of other good things happened as a result, you know, your life never takes the path that you expect it to take. I also auditioned before I even got into the Air Force for the radio broadcast uh, program because I, I saw good morning Vietnam and I thought well that, that looks pretty cool so uh, I, I I gave a shot at that and they they quickly rejected me and uh, they said even though I had the face for radio
0: I didn't necessarily have the voice for it so um, <laughs> I, uh, that. That, I mean honestly <laughs> brother that's that's really funny so okay they they gave you they, they gave you a badge and a gun you joined the air Force they gave me a badge what so so what what did you do in the Air Force though? Other than you know go for you know go for the singing piece of it. I was a have? law
1: enforcement specialist. Years. I uh I stood I stood on a gate at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas, and I waved in cars and checked people's ID cards. And every once in a while, I got to drive a patrol car and uh, pretend I was Starsky and Hutch, I guess. And uh, after a couple of years of that, I got orders to go to Korea for a year and. The thing about the Air Force is there is no infantry. So the cops are the infantry. If, if, if you go to war and you're in the Air Force, somebody's got to fight and protect the base while the pilots fly their planes and the mechanics fix their planes and the cooks cook the food. So then they give the cops the big guns and they give you a shovel and they tell you to fill some freaking sandbags. And the next thing you know, you're playing GI Joe in the dirt. So uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was the job. I was an M60 gunner when I was stationed in uh, Kunsan Air Base, Korea, which are 7.62 millimeters. It's a big gun. The, the gun was probably taller than me because you know, I'm about five foot four. And uh, I remember I said to my boss, I'm the smallest guy. Why are you give me the biggest gun? And he said, Well, nudie, the reason I'm giving you the biggest gun is because a 60 gunner normally gets shot first. And he just stopped talking. I looked at him like, What a, what a dick. And, uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: said, what?
1: What? yeah he said i'm not leaving anybody behind and you're easier to carry that was a th- that's how he finished that one. Up. Oh my
0: god that's i mean that is what a jerk i mean he's basically saying you're gonna die i mean like hey man sorry but this is what it is
1: that was uh yeah i'll never forget that was uh thomas taylor was that guy's name tommy taylor if you're out there you're still a dick but
0: i'll still do business <laughs> <laughs> so okay but this is good because you were floundering you were doing something you know you weren't doing anything that you wanted to do yeah sure i'll join the air force it gave me an incredible amount of you know what it did it gave me an incredible amount of work ethic
1: and it actually reinforced the values that my my father was so desperately trying to teach me but you know you don't listen to your parents but suddenly life and, and situations start reinforcing the stuff that your parents are trying to teach you. And I think that's where your values come in. Your parents, they say your parents give you your values. Your parents don't really give you all your values. Your parents lay the foundation for your values and then how you experience life and react to it kind of stacks on top of that. And and that builds your values. So I really learned the value of hard work and, um, I've never stopped working since.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you still have to go through basic training. You still have to do all that stuff, right? I mean, in and-
1: Well, basic training in the Air Force isn't that hard, but then the, the Air Force Security Police Academy is probably harder than basic training physically. And wow. uh, th- then they send you to combat training, which at the time they had the Army training, the Air Force guys in, uh, in combat training. And If, if you think that uh, the, the Army is going to treat you better or nicer because you're Air Force, uh, you're sadly mistaken. It's the other way around. It was probably worse than Army basic training. That was in Fort Dix, New Jersey. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of really good life lessons that came from
0: Move your microphone a little bit. We're getting a little bit of feedback. So those uh, that are listening uh, and, and not watching, uh, Ralph is uh, outside in the 92-degree weather, and uh, in Fort Myers Beach, it's actually it's a windy thing. But look, this is what we're doing. We're checking in on Nudie on the Beach, which is actually a great segue to – Um, well, we're going to get into this in a second. I want to, we're going to come back to air force and then you become a father and get out of it. But while I'm mentioning nudie on the beach, so, uh, Ralph has started a, uh, would you call it a TV show? What would you call it? And uh, what is nudie on the beach? And, uh, you know, what are you doing with it? I I know you're having a ton of success with it.
1: I would probably call it. Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now. Great.
1: I would probably call it a TV show, even though it's not on TV yet, but we are, our our agent is working on that for us. So I got to backtrack. Uh, so I, I get into, um, I get into the mortgage industry and ultimately the real estate industry and uh, fast forward a bunch of years and I am at a um, Tom Ferry event. And there is a real estate agent from San Diego who is now in EXP Realty. At the time, neither of us were in EXP Realty. His name was Kyle Whistle. And Kyle Whistle was talking about Gary Vaynerchuk who I hadn't even heard of at the time. And he was talking about uh, video marketing And he was talking about being the entertainment, being the show, instead of just always being an infomercial about your business. And Kyle had this food vlog that he was doing in San Diego called East County Eats. And I loved it so much that I decided to do one in in Kenosha. And I figured I'd just use our area code. I called it 262 Eats. And I hired a full-time video production guy. And I got a hold of Kyle Whistle and got a hold of his producer who actually Gave my producer a lot of tips and, and training and everything else. And uh, within a very short period of time, we were both in EXP Realty. And then I started a podcast and uh, w- was doing a weekly podcast. And it was just a, a, a local current events podcast. It was not it was not real estate centric at all. And that got picked up by the local radio station. I ended up with a radio show. And so I had the radio show going. I had the podcast going. I had the real estate business going with my partner, Ben. Everything was going great and last year everything got locked down and uh my wife and kids and i came down to florida and i had always had this idea i wanted to do a beach travel show and call it nudie on the beach i mean with a name like nudie you know i got i got teased got my ass beat my lunch money taken from me as a kid growing up for that name i figured i might as well start you know cashing in on it. right and uh so we just started putting together some teaser reels and stuff like that. And, and I ended up putting together a crew here and ended up putting together a, a, a cast here. I have two female co-hosts on the show with me, uh, Tina and Jennifer. And we just finished filming our pilot episode in uh, Fort Myers Beach. And uh, it, it's getting looked at by, uh, it's getting looked at by some, some high level producers right now. And uh, there's a very, you know, there's a chance, and there's always a chance it's not going to go anywhere as well, but I'm not going to let that happen uh, because then we'll do it the old-fashioned way and we'll syndicate it ourselves. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good position right now because we have some good quality content and we're growing our social media. Yeah.
0: And you guys have actually had quite a following in, in a very short amount of time. I think you've only been like actively doing this for a few months, three months, four months, something like that, but you haven't even released a show and you have 10,000 followers already on. On, on ig and um and yeah i mean you guys are doing high quality stuff though i met all your video producers and all of the people behind the scenes i mean here you have top-notch people you know uh, and tina and jennifer are great too i mean it's it, it, it's not hard to get you know some eyes on, on on the on the show when you have just some great you know great great talent with you and um, um, you
1: know like i said before i have a face for radio so i had to get some co-hosts i have <laughs> for television and uh, they are, you know, they're, they're easy on the eyes, and that you know that certainly doesn't doesn't hurt. And uh, we have a lot of
0: fun. Uh, what's the get live? Uh, I f- I forget. Um, who is who's your vi- who's your video guy? That's get live. That's uh, that's Eric
1: Crayfeld and uh, Adele Martinez. They're 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 get live TV. And uh, they're the production company that I brought on and incorporated into uh, Ralph Nudie Productions, so that we could uh,
0: we could produce Nudie on the beach. Yeah, Get Live is amazing. I really, I, I as I met them, I was really impressed by you know how they put it together. And, and truly, brother, I mean, you are lucky to have them uh, putting it together. I've seen the drone shots they put together, the cameras they're using, audio equipment, everything. I mean, they're they're, they're next level, and that's why you're getting the looks that you are, even without you know even without releasing a, a single show. All I'm getting um, a look
1: because of this this beautiful face. here
0: all right so i want so i want to go back um we'll probably touch more on on some some more nudity on the beach as far as like places you're going and what you're doing with it but uh just to go back uh from air force on so you you unexpectedly became a father and that happens to a lot of people was that in while you were still in the air force what no no i was in the car business by then
1: so uh, working for so, the family business, I was a finance manager for uh, for my family's import dealership in, in Kenosha at the time.
0: What happens after Air Force? How do you get out of it?
1: My 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 initial term of enlistment was up. I came home. I went back to work for the family business while I was in the National Guard. Uh, that that initial enlistment period ended. I ended up not re-enlisting. and um, about nine months after that, I found out that the uh, the girl that I was dating at the time was going to have a baby. And uh that was uh you know, I shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, by 26 years old, you should know what happens when you do that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, but it still <laughs> came as a it came as a surprise, but a but a pleasant surprise. And
0: uh, you know, it really changed my life. Being a father became the most important thing to me. Yeah, that's uh and, and that's incredible. So you're 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 out of the navy, you get back into the car business. Did you did you become a uh did you did your you know dad let you do the do F&I right away, or was it uh, sales in, in the grind of it? How long did you get an F&I? I became F&I by The uh, First thing
1: I did when I got out of the Air Force was I was a service writer. I'm in the back writing service, chasing parts. You know, I was a little man on the totem pole, even though it was a family business. And uh, I did that for about six months before I finally went into my, my grandfather's office. I went, I went over my dad's head. I went right to my grandpa. And I said, I can't take this anymore. Let me sell cars at least. And uh, he said, "Okay, but you're going to be all on commission. I don't know if you're going to be able to to handle that. Uh, yeah, at least you're getting a salary right now." And so they moved me onto the sales floor, and I got paid like every other salesperson, which I think back then a car salesman got paid $100 a week plus your commissions. Yeah. And uh, you know, they, they there was no minimum wage for car salesmen back then. You you if you didn't if you didn't sell cars, you didn't eat. I mean, and, there was uh, a minimum wage,
0: but no car dealership followed it. Me too. If I, uh, yeah, yeah, your first month you make literally no money.
1: You make no money, but again, I had a car to drive, and uh, for me, I had a sphere of influence. Meaning, you know, my family had been in business there, and so it didn't take me long before I was, uh, you know, I was moving more cars than the guys that had been in the business for 20 plus years. And and I cared a lot, and that's the thing. When you, you really put everything into it, it works. And and I would sit and I'd work homes, and I would call people. And uh, I finally had to make it work. And I embraced new technology at a time when the car business wasn't known for technology. We, we brought in a system called AutoBase, which is kind of like using a CRM in, in, in real estate now, but nobody else was using anything remotely like a CRM. And um, one I remember
0: AutoBase. I remember that. It was a, it was like a DOS program. It was, it like was a, a
1: DOS-based CRM. And yeah. I brought it to the dealership. And... We had a Saturday morning meeting, and I I really understood F and I right away. I just understood the numbers. Uh, I would always be hanging out in there, talking to the F and I guy, asking questions, paying attention to what he was doing. I was very tech savvy, which again is an unusual thing back then. I mean, we had dial-up internet to the credit bureau back then. I'm sure you yeah. that. Uh, as as a matter of fact, I think back then you had to fax over a credit app and it faxed you back a credit report, if I remember correctly. But I, I know there was a lot of faxing going on yeah or, 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 no we dialed up that's it you dialed up to the internet and spit out a credit report and then you filled out a loan application you faxed that into the lender so that they could approve or disapprove the people that you're getting finance on cars well th- this finance manager just wasn't very impressive and uh, long story short him and I got into it one day uh, because he belittled me in front of all my co-workers and, and uh, I walked back into my grandfather's office again and complained and about an hour later the guy was walking out with his bags packed and my grandpa said, I sure hope you know how to do this job because I'm not hiring anybody else. And so uh, th- they saw it as a, as a substantial savings because they didn't have to pay a grown-up to do the job. Uh, they could just get their kid to do it for a lot less money. And so <laughs> that was that's how it went for about three months and then once I, once I proved myself, I'm like, hey I, you know I got to get paid like an FNI manager and they did. And so, you know, by the time I was in my mid to late 20s, I was making more money than any of my friends.
0: Yeah, and, but you're hustling it too. I mean, a lot of people don't I, realize that like car businesses, you know, it it's nine to nine, it's 12 hour days. And and if you're F&I and, and you're probably the only one, you, nobody sells a car unless you're there. And you got to do Saturdays too. I mean, it's... It's it's, it's probably right.
1: why I love being out in the sun so much now, because I got to tell you, man, I was... the I, My whole face was the color of my ass. It was so white because I never saw... You know, they call, they call the box for a reason. You're inside that, that finance office, and you never leave. I was right. getting in at 8 o'clock in the morning. I was home at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, six days a week. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't see uh, my friends. I didn't see my wife. I ended up divorced before we even had any kids. And so when I found out that right after that, I had a baby on the way. I was like, this, I'm out. I'm out. I, I need to find a... a Business where I can structure my life
0: with my family instead of having to uh, go to work every day and never see them. Right. I mean, that's same. I mean, I got out of it a little bit earlier than you did, but it's just like you know, it's a tough business. I mean, it really is. And you know, there's a lot of turnover and there's a lot of a uh, lot of divorce and and that's the reason why though. You're in there. You're literally working all day long. And on Sundays, what do you want to do? Do you want to go hang out with your family and do and be a thousand on en- energy? No, you want to decompress and relax and just be like, my goodness, I just want to watch TV and sit here, you know? Um, Okay. So from there, where do you go? Uh, Is this where it's because your mortgage industry is one of those things where everybody falls into it. You know, it's not something that like people are introduced to and look, your family's in a different business. How did you get into mortgage? So my sales rep for the newspaper
1: left the newspaper, went to work for a mortgage company and I called him up and I figured think well, he can do any selling ads. I'm already doing five years. I called him, I asked him how he was doing, if he liked the business. He introduced me to his boss. The next thing you know, they hired me. I uh, went- What and, company? Uh, that was called Excel Mortgage. And uh, my, uh, it was a small mom and pop mortgage company, Kenosha, Randy Caberline and Jason Gilliam were the owners. Randy, Randy and I are still working together here 23 years later. And uh, that was the beginning of my mortgage career. And I took my entire database from the car dealership with, of course, my family's permission. And I, I created a, a refi campaign and just started pounding them with letters and phone calls. And uh, you know, I was doing 15, 20 refis a month uh, because the rates had dropped to 6.875. Think about that, everybody, right now. You know, you're looking at rates, and everybody panics when they hit four. And here, they went down from eight to six point eight seven five, and everybody thought that that was gold. What's
0: the highest rate you've ever had on a mortgage loan, or ever originated? Nine and a half on an FHA. Wow. Yep. I, I, I'm fairly common. Mine's in the sevens. I think it's like seven. And no, half, I,
1: like... I rolled subprime loans at twelve and thirteen. Wow. See, I was I was in the, I was I was in this business pre Dodd Frank, uh, pre subprime meltdown, and uh, you could make a you could make more money uh, on a deal as a loan officer than the realtor was making that wasn't unusual. To, to yeah. Make that's just th- nuts. You really imagine four or 5% of the amount that's being borrowed, uh, getting paid here. And here's the and, thing. If you didn't do it, the next guy down the road was going to. So, right. you know, you, you had to write those loans.
0: Right. Right. I was in it in 2007. So it's a little bit different. It was at the end of that era and, yep. uh, still pre Dodd Frank, but also a little bit, you know, it was it, just a different time. It's, 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 it's funny to hear about it. So, okay, look, brother, you're doing 15, 20 loans a month. You're crushing it. Why'd you, why'd you get out of that? I don't know what's going on here. I got something like that. I'm going off you're, you're all good. I think you got to uh put it on uh, the do not disturb. It, you're yeah, on a, I, you're on a, you're on a MacBook
1: i'm on a macbook and you know it's a beautiful environment to work in when you're working but when you do the podcast of a sudden your phone rings it's like the death of everything it,
0: i know so if you just if you just open it up and put it on the, the little moon the little half moon it it actually both of the the iphone and the imac will talk to each other if you do that yeah we're gonna have to pray
1: that that happens because my phone is not even here my phone's in the house <laughs> I left my phone behind it so that I well, can Look, keep it This is each.
0: the this is the beauty of a podcast though because we're like we're, we're doing this like a, we can see palm trees in the background and a beautiful um a beautiful waters, American flag blown in the background. I love this, brother. No, this is this is great. We'll uh we'll, we'll deal with it. So, you're crushing it in the mortgage business and you're doing 15-20 loans a month. My goodness, what what how could you ever leave that? And I guess what what happened? Uh fast forward oh. through time. So, The business, in a lot of ways, the business changed. But um,
1: uh, my approach to the business was to teach real estate agents how to convert leads, how to do more business. And sadly, I learned over time that most real estate agents weren't very hardworking, weren't very smart, weren't very loyal. Now, that's not to say all of them aren't, but there was a big chunk of them that weren't. And I thought to myself, I know I can run circles around these guys if I just get into the, uh, into the real estate industry instead. So my intention originally was to stay involved in both, uh, like, like a lot of people. But, you know, when you have one foot in each canoe and you're going down the road, eventually you got to pick which canoe you like better. And for me, that, that doesn't mean you can't be involved in both industries, but you got to figure out which one is the one where, you, where your passion is. And uh, I found more growth and more of what I liked. To do in real estate. Uh, but I learned a lot in the mortgage industry. I was a big, big disciple of Todd Duncan. And I remember going to a Todd Duncan seminar. You know, Jimmy, you did this you did this episode with Barry Habib, which by the way, is probably my favorite episode. Barry Habib was, was a social media influencer before there was a social media. Barry Habib would go around and do these talks and he was on CNBC and he had the Mortgage Market Guide. And back then it was a broadcast phone call and he'd tell you whether to lock or float. And I learned all about Japanese candlesticks charts from him and everything else but what i really liked about barry habib is the first time that he spoke at the todd duncan seminar he just had so much charisma and uh at, at the end i remember he got up and he sang sweet caroline for everybody did you know he can sing
0: yeah brother, I've, I've seen him sing at with rock of ages the rock of ages band that's the oh that's um, right yeah he produces uh the the show on broadway and um I, i've actually seen him at mastermind sing it and it's funny you mentioned Todd Duncan. I've actually been a guest on uh, on on, um, on Sales Mastery uh, with him. But ba- but back to Barry Habib. Mm. Back in the MMG days, I I literally I got the chance to. And thanks, brother, for, for mentioning Barry on on this. He was one of my favorite interviews. I have a lot of great interviews, but um. It, but Barry, when he when he wrote the MMG, you're right. He would send out the you know the massive you know the the calls. And I literally, I, I got the chance to tell him, I was like, brother, you literally taught me how to do mortgages. and You don't even know. But like I list, I used to literally read an MMG how right. rates work and how it is. Every single little last thing about how I describe how it works comes from Barry O.B. Anyway. Um, it,
1: it, same was, here I, to, this, to this day, every, everything, a lot that I know about mortgages are rates and how rates work, because everybody thinks, oh, it, when the Fed funds rate goes up that that is has a direct impact on mortgage rates, they don't understand anything about how it's actually mortgage backed securities and how yes, they, they do tend to trend the right the, the same direction a big chunk of the time, but not always. And, right. and definitely not at the same proportion.
0: Right, for sure. So you go to Todd Duncan Sales Mastery, you're choosing which canoe you're gonna be in. You say okay. you say you're gonna be in in, in 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 the real estate realm. How does yep. that start for you? So do you start your own company? Do you work with a yeah, company? Of
1: course, of course, you know, I can't just do things the normal way. Right. Uh, uh, and, and go work for a Century 21 or a Cogo Banker, or a Remax. We have to start it. We have to just go and start a real estate company. So I convinced my then boss, Randy Caberline, who was, uh, I think at the time we had a net branch for Cherry Creek Mortgage. Okay. And, uh, I convinced them to start a real estate company for me so that I could still work out of the same office and work with the same people. And we would just get get it going both ways. By the time it was all done, we all transitioned into the real estate industry. And we bought a Weikert franchise and we owned that franchise for about 10 years. And I learned a lot there, but I believed that by the end of those 10 years, that that business model had changed or that the industry had changed and evolved beyond that business model. And so I was looking for another business model that was going to fit better. And I was going to create yet another one. And I was looking for a way to create residual income off of revenue share in the real estate industry. And I was going to do it by attaching it to a franchisee. And that was how I was working on it. I was working with franchise experts. I was working with tech experts. I was working with the people over at Conversion, which is now KV Core, about developing this company and using one platform. And one of the guys over there said, you know, that sounds a lot like EXP. You should talk to them. And in my infinite wisdom, and or should I say in my arrogance, I didn't listen. And uh, a year later, when I finally heard the pitch, I we immediately made the move to uh eXp Realty that was in 18. And so my partner and I moved and we transitioned our whole team over. And had I got in a year earlier, it would have, it would have made a seven figure difference to, to uh, my, my net worth, at least if not more. Uh, but we got in when we did. And I'm grateful for that because it transformed our lives. And uh, my Ben, who had started off as my assistant 17 years ago and is now my partner and runs our Kenosha office. And I. You're talking about Ben Gentile? Ben Gentile, yeah, we uh, we 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 took this entire company, stood it on its head, stuffed it into an EXP business model. Even though we had a brick and mortar office, and we made it work spectacularly. We both of us have been Icon agents every year that we've been in the company. Which a lot of times you have a team, and there'll be one Icon agent at the top of the team. But to have a team that has two Icon agents leading a team is even more unusual. They don't have enough production to have only Icon. But uh, we, we both make ICON. We're both in the top 3% production-wise in, in the company uh, all three years that we've been there. We have a fantastic team. We've got great people around us, and that really is you know, the bottom line. And all of that really gave me the freedom that when I decided I want to come to Florida and do this, I was able to without worrying because most people dream about making a move like this, but they don't. A, they don't have the balls to pull it off, and uh, B, they don't have the, the financial wherewithal to pull it off. And uh, I was able to do both without fear because I had a great partner, had a great team, and was with a company that had a business model that really fostered that environment. And so we we pulled the trigger and we came down to Florida, my wife and I and, and our three under kids full time. And uh, I took everything that I was doing up until then, my podcast, my food blog, my, my my radio show, all of that. And I kind of consolidated all those ideas into a singular brand and branding and came up with. The idea for nudie on the beach, nudie properties, nudie beachwear, nudie vacation rentals, and, and having a, a singular brand, which we're in the process of developing. I mean, this is the infant stages. So I'm not saying this like, you know, you talk about Elon Musk. I'm not, I'm not Elon Musk uh, where I'm at, I'm at the end. I'm, I'm, I'm at the very early stages, but I have this amazing belief in myself that it's going to happen because everything that I've done up until now has been training for this. And because we've moved all the pieces on the chessboard, right. And I've had a lot of patience and a lot of hard work pay off where, where, where I can afford to take a risk and do this and, and know that even if it didn't work out, so what? but it's going to work out because of it. When, when, when you know that it's going to work out, that that's, that's when you know you've got
0: something. Well, you're on your, you, you know, we talk about zero to a million, you're on your zero to million, you know, you know, part, but brother, you're already, I mean, you're getting a ton of traction, even with, you know, without releasing a single episode. I mean, I've 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 seen the I've seen the stories and all the stuff that you've been posting, and it's uh it, it's super cool. So why don't you actually walk me through some of the stuff that you're doing with it? Um, what is like if somebody were to watch a nudie on the beach show, what are they going to see? What's the theme?
1: So here's here here's here's the basic. In a nutshell, you ask me get nudie on the beach is, the, we've got a travel show, and in this travel show, you're going to get nudie to show you the best places to eat, stay, and play. In the world's beach towns, and that, that's our tagline. I'm going to get nudie to show I me mean, a little play on words, but really, when it comes down to it, it's a family-friendly show, and uh, you don't have to take you. You can get nudie and keep your clothes on at the same time because you're getting me to do it for you. See, uh, and we are going to have a segment on every episode, uh, an eat segment, which is basically a 10-minute foodie vlog. It's a 10-minute adventure into that town where, where we're going to go eat, and we're going to we're going to feature. We're going to highlight a bunch of little places where we're going to really feature one, like, here, here's one we're really going to feature. And then we're going to do the same thing for for the play segment and show us engaging in a bunch of recreational activities. But we'll do a deep dive on at least one of them and show you that, you know, beginning to end what that recreational activity experience was. And then you have the stay experience where you're going to lay your head down after you've been partying, drinking, drinking. Uh, Riding wave runners, scuba diving, parasailing, laying on the beach—whatever it is you do, where you're gonna lay your head down on a pillow at the end of the night and say, "This, is a, this was a great day," and I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and do it all again in a beautiful place. And so, we put it together. I went shopping for a co-host. Uh, I originally was gonna have one co-host on the show with me, and I'm watching the show. And I'm like, you know, it kind of looks like like I'm going around doing all this w- w- with. With, with with a mate, with it with with a with a significant other, and that really wasn't the image that I was trying to portray. And uh, so um, I I came home and I said to my wife, Hey, you know what? I, I, you know, I feel weird. here I am going eating, playing, staying with you know with a beautiful woman. Actually, she said, It's kind of weird watching you go eat, play, and stay with a beautiful woman. So I said, Honey, I solved the problem. She said, How would you solve the problem? I said, Got two beautiful women. Now. <laughs> now we don't look like a couple anymore. Of course she laughed you know kind of um and actually i got that advice from somebody who is very prominent in the radio world i'm not going to name drop anybody right now because i didn't ask for permission but but a very prominent person uh shock jock from the chicago market and i were talking and he's like you need more women you need to have a balance you need to and appeal to different age ranges different different styles different everything. And so really the two of them really balance each other out. And the two of them are a great counterweight to my uh impressive display of energy in such a you know in in such a compact package here.
0: It really does balance it. I I mean Tina and Jennifer are really they're 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 really excellent. Um they're just a ton of ton of energy. Uh so okay so you go to a place to eat. Yep. Uh, you go to a place to play, you go to a place to stay, uh, w- particularly with eating. I want to just talk about Fort Myers beach for just a minute. What, 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 what are some places name a highlight? Um, I know there's a lot, but if you were to name one or two, what would you name as a place to eat? Leaky Tiki. Oh my God. I love Leaky Tiki. I got to say that. Cause
1: you and I were there, man. Leaky Tiki great barbecue. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, that it's, it's just, it, it's, it's tender. It's good. The staff is helpful. Uh Bonita Bills on San Carlos Island, uh, Taco Tuesday over there. That, that was that was a fun experience. There was um, you know, we went we we ate at Pinchers, we ate at the Salty Crab, we ate. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of the uh, Mexican restaurant on San Carlos uh, on San Carlos uh, Boulevard there that we went to, uh, and it's it, it's escaping me right now. Uh, the Royal Scoop. We went there for ice cream. We did a little we did a little segment just on Royal Scoop that I that I put out there on social media. Because not only was the ice cream good, but their hospitality was overwhelming. They they knew we were putting together a travel show. They invited us in with open arms. And so uh, we went in yeah, there. And said, the you know, owners that. of Royal
0: Scoop are top-notch people. And they actually run the business right out of there. My, my house is actually right by Royal Scoop. Uh, and yeah, Leaky the, Tiki, too.
1: You, I could probably throw an ice cream cone and hit you from there.
0: Yeah, right. 100%. Um, yeah. Okay, so that, that that's awesome. I, and I know, too, you've, you've been to Heavenly Biscuits. You, you got it You got it all. Um, going on how about for playing like what so what are you doing are you just like are you just showing off Like, here, here's a place i go on the beach are you doing like parasailing what i guess what are you So the 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 featured place segment for the fort myers beach
1: episode is the um mid-island water sports and uh we took the uh we took the dolphin wave runner and so we got we got some really good footage of that i can't wait for the first episode to come out i almost fit hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, the episodes out, so I'm not giving too much away, but right. uh, it was, uh, we have some interesting things happen that you will have to tune into that episode to see, but it was well,
0: definitely. Well, yeah, you're going to want to watch it we'll, and we'll put links to it. it. And one last thing is, is the stay piece. So are you showing people like a house to buy or are you showing people a hotel to stay in or what are you? What, yes. Cause I noticed that like, I, I, I think it, it looked, It looked like an HGTV segment where you're kind of like flying in, you're coming in to like see a house and talk to a real estate agent, but is that really it or is it also hotels? So we want to give people a little bit of both. so there's always going
1: to be a little real estate piece to it. I'm in real estate, that's what I do for a living. We're going to show people a place to buy. We'll have a featured agent who is a local expert for each market that will uh, you know, give us a place to uh, stay because obviously nobody can be an expert in every market and uh, so instead of trying to become the expert in every market or pretending to be the real estate expert in every market i'd rather highlight somebody who is really good at what they're doing and and, and share some of that love and attention with them as well and uh, that, that's actually how i found jen in this case I, I wanted an agent to do a walkthrough with and then there was a the the, uh, the uh, agent for that property and i talked and we ended up doing a walkthrough for that, that property right on the sterile right on the beach which is one of the oldest beach homes in in Fort Myers Beach, right on Estero Island. It's one of the few that's not built on Stilton. and has a private pool, uh, which is a usual to find. house built in, I want to say, 1928 or 1929. And that you can actually see on our YouTube channel now uh, if, if you check it out, Fort Myers Beach House. And, oh, 1928?
0: Uh, I can't 1928. believe it's still
1: there. It's still there. So, you know, all this talk about hurricane protection and all that. Well, they did a pretty good job if they built it in 1928 and it's still standing because i, I have a feeling it's been through a hurricane too.
0: Well yeah, my my house was built in 1957, i'm telling you man, that thing is like i can't believe it's still there. I mean, if you think about it, that's 70 years old, you know? And i they, but they built they built them differently in the 50s. I'm sure they built them even more different in 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 you know, the 20s. Um that's incredible that it was there cuz i don't even think there was a bridge to the island in 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 the, in the 20s. Maybe there was, but um i think the bridge came through in like i don't even know. Well, Maybe- they have the
1: original they have the original swing bridge.
0: Yeah and the swing bridge was
1: was down at water level and if they it right. out, you couldn't take it and it would swing open and swing back uh, before they built the, the high, you know, the, the drawbridge. And San uh, uh, Carlos Coast.
0: Island, yeah, for the, yeah. The, right.
1: And they had the, you would go over the swing bridge and there was this famed old archway that you would drive under that would tell you that you were now entering Fort Myers Beach on San Carlos Boulevard. That was the main strip going into, uh, into Fort Myers Beach back then. And uh, I know that from uh, from beach from beach radio podcast. I don't know if you've met Jim or not, but uh, I'm ac- I'm actually going to be a guest on their podcast uh, this upcoming Saturday as well.
0: It, that's awesome. There's so much history there, and and there's actually there's a campaign to save the arches, uh, the yep. save the arches of Fort Myers Beach. They're going
1: to put them uh, oh, at oh, the, that, that park. I can't of the name of the park at the end of Fort Myers Beach.
0: Brother, we're going to have to do an app, ep- like here, let's just, let's do like 30 minutes and just talk about Fort Myers beach, but Hey, we're, well, this is more about nudie. So we're going to, we're going to, there's a couple questions, which I want to get to. I want to be super respectful of your time uh, and let you get back to the beach. So uh, there's a few questions that we ask everybody. Uh, sure. and I want to make sure that I, that I uh, uh, get these out. So the first one is this. not
1: getting me to cry. Okay. You're not getting me to cry. Jimmy.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> All right. First one is Do you feel like you ever had a big break? Big break?
1: No, I feel like my big break is happening right now, I should say, Uh, if that makes any sense. With everything that happened with EXP, EXP stock, my residual income, duty on the beach, I feel like my, my big break has
0: happened as we speak. That's cool, no, that's fire, that's great. So ask me in a year. (laughs) Yeah, no, right. Well, exactly. All right. Uh, Next question is, if you were to do it all over again, Ralph, what would you change?
1: I would have believed in myself a lot sooner. We all have this self-doubt, this little voice in the back of our heads that tells us either we can't do it or we don't deserve it. And... No matter who you are, no matter how great you tell everybody else you are, no matter how great everybody thinks that you think you are, at the end of the day, we all have that little voice in our head that tells you that that, that you ain't shit. And you have to be able to take that voice and shut it up and turn it off and tell yourself that I I am capable, I'm deserving, uh, and uh, I've got, I'm powerful, and I've got everything I need to pull this off right now. And you have to mean it, and uh, you have to believe in yourself. And that takes a lot that takes a lot to stop looking for the magic answer and start being the magic answer.
0: Well, I love that. We mentioned Barry B. That, that reminds me of Barry's, you know, confidence is fleeting as heck. You know, we gotta, we gotta always maintain that. Um, yep. for sure. Was there ever a time nudie i'm gonna actually i'm gonna call you nudie i i don't want to call you, i know you as well but i'm gonna call you nudie so i'm all not right.
1: thinking about just changing my name to nudie like prince or share no, I, I,
0: I mean right i mean here i'm jimmy i'm jimmy with an eye you're nudie with an eye so let's just go let's roll with nudie all right so uh yeah. was there ever a time nudie you felt like giving up oh yeah oh
1: yeah um Many times when I uh, when I had three young kids and suddenly I found out that uh, I wasn't going to be married anymore. Uh, in fact, I did give up for a while. Uh, I had just started my own mortgage company, quit my job, and I spent the next three months staring out the window and my bank account draining because if you're staring out the window, you're not earning. And uh, you know, I went from having a humongous pipeline and thinking that I, you know, I was on top of the world to not even caring about being on top of the world. That was uh, that was a tough time losing my mother. Uh, at, she was 57 years old. That definitely, you know, put me in a position. You know, the, the funny thing is um, the exact opposite of that. So I lost my mother 10 years ago and I just lost my father in January. And it was the exact opposite feeling when I, when I lost my father, I didn't feel like giving up when I lost my father because I was in a much better place before I lost him. And because my relationship with him was was good and I felt like there was nothing left unsaid between us and Uh, I felt like he left this world having a lot of confidence in me, if that makes any sense. And and, uh, he knew I had just moved down here and had back surgery and came visit with me. He knew. He knew I was making it. He knew that this was the break. And he kind of alluded to that right before he passed away. So, uh, yeah, there were times that I felt like giving up. There were times that I pretty much almost did give up. Uh, There were times that... uh, there were times when, quite frankly, I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to be alive. And I think we've all, we've all struggled with that thought, even though most people never act on it beyond it's a fleeting thought. Uh, but, but I definitely have had that, that, that struggle in my life before. And, um, all I can tell anybody else is, uh, you're not the only person to feel that way. Uh, everybody feels that way, but it's, it's whether you you, you pick yourself back up and you say, this is, that was just a moment. And uh, you get back on your ride again. That, that that's what that's what makes you persevere through it. And that's uh, that's the difference between the people that make it in this world and the ones that don't. Is the people that uh, don't give up, even though they feel like giving up, they keep moving forward. Are the ones that make it, and the ones that listen to that voice. Those are the ones that uh, those are the ones that are doomed to a life of uh, of of suffering and failure.
0: Yeah, uh, that's just. Well, wow, that's uh, there's great hope, uh, you know. There, there's great hope out there, and you know, if uh, if there's people out there that are that have been struggling with that, I mean, you know, you. If you're breathing, there's hope.
1: Right. If you're breathing, hope.
0: That's all there is to it. You know, you you just
1: got to unlocking your own mind. Uh, what it's going to take for you to do that. Uh, I read a very interesting book. I don't believe everything in it. Uh, it was one of the longest, hardest books I ever read. But it's called *The Gene Keys*. I don't know if you've read it or not. I'm but not. Um, uh, of all people, Mike Tyson was talking about it on a Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, first of all, I was surprised that Mike Tyson reads. Um, Dude, he's but, actually
0: uh, like super. He's a super. He's a very
1: intelligent man, and yes. I never give him enough credit. Right. Uh, so that was. That was the big, my biggest takeaway from that podcast, because I never really paid that much attention to Mike Tyson before that, but I watched that interview. My biggest takeaway is what an intelligent, incredible human being he was. Uh, but I figured if that book can make Mike Tyson a more sensitive, uh, introspective human being, imagine what it can do for the rest of us. So I went and I got it, and it was so hard to read. I couldn't. I had to listen to it and read it and listen to it and read it. And it's a book that's not meant to be read cover to cover, but one that you digest in parts. But uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely a book that had an impact on on my thought process. And, and that's just one of the last six months.
0: I love how I love you mentioned Mike. Mike Dyson has his own podcast, dude. You know, it, it's hot yep. boxing with with with, with Mike Dyson? He basically uh, just smokes weed in a room with somebody yep. famous. And, yep. You know, he's really good friends with Tony Robbins too. It's just like he's kind of a. Uh, that's actually what got me hooked. Is was I. I that's one of my favorite podcasts. It's not mortgage. Really. I would
1: definitely smoke weed with Tony Robbins
0: <laughs> <laughs> or Elon Musk. It, 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 that, 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 that's that, that's really funny. Uh, all right. So last question. So to set it up, you know, there's a young Ralph Nudie out there. There's a there's a young Nudie on the beach out there, and you know, maybe they're you know. Struggling in school, they don't really like it. You know, maybe they're, you know, trying to, you know, chase chase music. Uh, maybe they want to be in tops and blues. Um, you know, maybe they're you, you, they're doing car sales. Maybe they're just, you know, struggling at whatever it is. Maybe their mother has been lost at 57 years old. Uh, maybe they're chasing after Nudie and wanting to do exactly what you do. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done?
1: forward progress every day and don't ever give up. it's that simple you don't have to you don't have to win the year you don't have to win you don't have to get to the finish line you just have to win the day and sometimes it's an hour by hour process and sometimes it's really easy
0: but the more you do it the easier it gets easy Simple advice. Just move forward. Hour by hour, day by day. Beautiful. All right. Uh, I want to thank our audience for joining us today. I want to especially thank uh, nudie for, for for joining us. And uh, you know, nudie, if if somebody wanted to reach out to you to connect, or maybe they wanted to follow you, what would be the best way for them to connect and, and to follow you?
1: You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube just by going to at nudie on the beach. Uh, or you can email me ralph at ralphnudie.com. that's my personal email Uh, i will respond have some patience with me but i I, because i do check my own email but uh those are the places so at nudie on the beach instagram facebook youtube or ralph at ralph
0: that's beautiful and we'll put some links in the uh, podcast description especially to the uh to nudie on the beach i can't wait to to watch your first episode and congratulations uh thank you jimmy All right, uh, this has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you've liked the show, you've taken some value and you want to support us, you know, tell a friend, uh, write us a five-star review, hit that subscribe button. All those things make a huge difference in helping us reach more people. Once again, I am Jimmy Ryan. Thanks so much for listening.